With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. It is Zach Van Norman with Once Upon a Fan bringing you our latest podcast. Thank you all for joining us. Of course, I have my regular co-host, Amy, with me. Hello, Amy, darling. Hello, Zach, sweetie, darling. Yeah, so um, everybody, we've got a lot to cover in this week's episode, so that's why we're having a special two-hour edition of our podcast, because we just have a lot to get through. So let's go ahead and jump on into it uh, with our normal news roundup. So the first bit of news that we have is that we got a new episode title for Once Upon a Time, which is called Witch Hunt. And the implications of that are very, very exciting. I'm very interested to see what that's going to be like. What do you think of that, Amy? I thought the title was interesting because I actually laughed when I first saw it because I immediately thought of Witch Hunt and all of, like, the the rude tweets poor Adam gets sometimes. And I was like, I actually tweeted him. I was like, oh, is this titled after you know, some of your Twitter conversations? Uh-huh. But I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, though. I kind of, I don't know. There's been so many witches in different fairy tales and novels and stories. I'm, I have no idea who this one could be. This is episode 13, so, I mean, it's a little ways out, but... Not looking for any spoilers. Don't want to know for sure, but I'm really excited to figure out who it's going to be. Yeah, me too. I really, um, I like you said, it's episode 13, so it'll be in the second half of season three here. So I, you know, depending on how the Neverland thing wraps up and whatever they start for the next half is, yeah, I'm I'm really really curious too because like you said, there's been so many witches and things and different fairy tales and so forth that, I mean, it could be. Anybody, I mean, you know, technically, you know, Regina is kind of a witch, so I mean, it could be for her. I mean, there's just so many people, but I mean, obviously, there's no way to figure out it now. So it's going to be good speculation to go on for the next couple of months too. I, I think that'll be a game for all of us once just to play. Maybe they'll give us some hints before we get there. Yeah. Who knows? So we'll find oh, out about okay. that. And then the other bit of news that we got too is that uh, the latest episode of Once Upon a Time had a huge ratings increase. It was a 62% increase from the week before. So it's, uh, well, I don't know if it's this the week before, but it's a 62% viewer increase, which is huge. So still mm-hmm. dominating on Sunday nights. Very happy to hear that. Definitely. And you had mentioned, and I think you're right, that people probably heard about the big reveal and the big twist, and they were probably like, oh, we have to see this for ourselves. So it definitely got a giant push this week. Yeah, which will only bode well for the show as the season goes on. And, of course, that is the perfect segue, normally, I would say, for us to get into the uh, the episode review. But um I want to start talking about the Enchanticon convention that we just got done with first because that's kind of also very newsworthy. Um, so for uh, everybody who's listening to the podcast, if you're aware of this show, then you're probably aware that the Once Upon a Fan staff was in Orlando all last week for not only our first meeting of each other, our staff trip to Disney World, but the wonderful, totally 
fabulously awesome Enchanticon convention. Um, yes. Uh, which was Oh, which was just, oh, my God, so awesome at the Doubletree um, Hilton by, or was it Doubletree by Hilton Orlando at SeaWorld, I think is what the name of the hotel is, the full name of it. Um, yes. And it was put on by uh, Lori Mahoney, and we really want to give a shout-out to her and huge thanks for letting us participate in the event and helping us out with everything as far as the interviews and getting the panel set up. Uh, Lori, we really, really appreciate everything that you did for us. Yes, definitely. Lori has been such a sweetheart. We've been communicating with her um, individually and as a site back and forth via Facebook and through messaging and things. And she has just been right there to help us with everything. And, you know, she's a big part of the reason that this was such a huge success this week. And this past weekend was just, I mean, the whole week, but really the weekend too was just beyond, like I don't even have words to explain how, fantastic this whole past week and weekend was it was just amazing yeah i i i definitely agree the there's no way to describe it i'm actually kind of sorry that i was only able to go to enchanticon on saturday because i really would have liked to have seen it on you know friday and sunday of course all of us staff were busy with other things so we could not attend on either one of those days but for what we did see on saturday it was completely awesome so great too uh, so, yeah, I just want to say again, thank you very much to Lori Mahoney for all of your help with that. And, of course, our MC, um, who is the fabulous Josh uh, Reed. Um, actually, I'm not sure if he goes by his full name or not, so let's uh, make sure that we get his full name in there just one second here. Let me see. Oh, I have it. Oh, my God, I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, do you have his full name? God, I can't remember. The second half. Is it Davis, like Joshua Reed Davis? I think that's his name. Yeah, and on Twitter he goes by just Josh Hay with two Ys, but he was our MC this weekend, and he was fantastic. I can't even, I don't know, I can't imagine anybody could have done a better job. The way he interacted with everybody, not just the actors and the panels, but he was right in there with the guests. He was talking to people. He was chatting people up. He really wanted to make everybody feel welcome and involved and, he was just a doll. I just loved him. So he was fantastic. They couldn't have picked anybody yeah. better. It's Definitely, Joshua yeah. Definitely, yeah. So that's his full name, yeah. Yeah, Joshua Reed Davis. So thanks to Josh and thanks to Lori and everybody in Enchanticon for throwing the event because it was totally awesome. Um, I want to kind of build up to the actual convention, though, and just kind of start by also discussing our um, our staff trip throughout the week because it was really a momentous occasion for all of us here at Once Upon a Fan um, because we all got to meet each other for the first time and kind of, you know, just throughout the week we were all arriving in different days throughout the week, and it was just really, really fun. So Tuesday, um, myself, our editor and the big bad boss, Gareth Hughes, um, and let me see who else. We had Maury, our movie trivia maven, and we also had Chris, who is our contest creator and one of our Origins authors. Uh, we were all tooling around uh, the Magic Kingdom on Tuesday, had a lot of fun, um, met Jose from the Storybrooke Herald, so shout out to Jose as well. Hello. It was really fun hanging out with you all week. Um, we hung out with Peter Pizzola, our friend. We named him Peter Pizza. Uh, we hung out with him, and he he flew from Connecticut, and it was so fun to finally get to meet Peter. He is one of the regulars on our website, so and on our Facebook page and everything. So it was really, really just fantastic to be able to speak with him and meet with him and and everybody else. So shout out to Peter too. Peter, it was really fun hanging out with you this week. 
Yeah, he was. I was so excited to meet everybody. Oh, and Marie, don't forget Marie. She came. Oh, all Marie, the way yeah, Marie, um, who is, um, yeah, who is on Twitter. She is um, Waterbox. For, so for everybody who's on Twitter, she's O U A T E R B O X, and she is yeah. just one. That, she came from Argentina, so she was one of the the world travelers, along with you know kind of Gareth, who came from from the UK. So. It was really, really, really nice to get to meet her, too. She was such a sweetheart. Oh, my God, Marie, you're so awesome. It was really, really nice to hang out with you, too. <laughs> I know. There's so many. And then we met, you know, that was just at Disney. We still have another whole group that we didn't even meet until the con. But there was just, oh, my God, so many amazing people this whole week and weekend. I mean, absolutely. I mean, Tuesday when we were all walking around the park, um, you know, for that first day, just the four of us, and we had Maury's mom with us too, um, as we were going around seeing everything, I mean, it was my first time in Florida, um, my first time going to Disney World, and it was Chris's first time going to Disney World too. So, you know, it was really, I mean, Disney World at the holidays is awesome. I mean, it was a little bit off-putting to have Christmas music and Christmas decorations and everything out when it was so hot, I've never experienced that before because I've never been, you know, so far south during the holidays. So I was not, uh, I was not really expecting that. Was, like I say, it was a, a little disorienting, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, it was really, really fun seeing all the decorations out and everything. And, of course, the castle was, you know, all decorated and Main Street was decorated. It was just all super fun, super fun. Um, we all had a great time getting together. Um let me see, what did we do Wednesday? Wednesday was a chill-out day. We didn't go to the parks really at all. We just kind of relaxed and, and well, tried to relax at least. We still had a lot of stuff going on, but with all the traveling and everything, we were all so tired. And then, you know, we had more staff join us on Thursday. Um, Jackie came in. Jackie Rogers, our video editor. Um, so we met up with her and some of her friends. And I had a totally magical moment with Jackie, too, for anybody who was kind of watching um, – you know, our stuff going up live on Facebook and Twitter as it was going along. Um, Jackie and I are basically like soul twins. Like, it was so funny. She was wearing a T-shirt that says, it has a quote from Walt Disney on it, it says, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. And I have the same T-shirt, and I actually had it with me while we were on the trip. (laughs) But um, I just wasn't wearing it, like, right then. So that was really funny. Um, And then we also had our our Charm Attack bracelets on from Josh Dallas fans, too, that we got from Katrina Tan. Thanks, Katrina, for those. Um, We had that. We had matching Emma Swan necklaces on. I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, how much Jackie and I got along, and that was a really fun moment, too. (laughs) Um, We went to the Sci-Fi Diner for lunch and all these other things. But And then we met Laura later on that afternoon, Laura Foster, our Facebook admin. Um, So we were all finally together. And then we all went out to dinner that night with Jose and Marie, and and it was just such a nice time. It was so surreal, though I have to tell you, like because we made a joke that you know, like we as we were talking to each other, that you know, like the the page wasn't changing, like the Internet Explorer wasn't opening a new tab, that we were all still yeah. talking to each other live in person because. I mean, it was just so weird, and we were all laughing, like, saying, this is the fastest 3G there's ever been, because it's like you're right in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No more lag time. Yeah, no lag time. And then, um, unfortunately, Gareth had to leave early because of a 
uh, he had to take care of some business, and we're, we were sorry to see him have to leave early, um, so he did not get to enjoy the con with us or anything. But I had a blast with Mr. Gareth Hughes. Um, he is basically like my brother from another mother. I love him to death. Um, and really, that's kind of the overall effect, I think, of the convention, because we all really you know, cemented our bond together, I think, especially on Friday and Saturday doing, you know, we did Magic Kingdom on Friday together, and then we were all at, the, at Enchantica on Saturday. And right, right. I'm now, pretty I sure... Gareth. Yeah, Amy so missed was, Gareth by 15 minutes, and that was really, yeah. really unfortunate. I was sad for that. Yeah, I was very sad about that. We were rushing down there, and we missed Gareth by about 15 minutes. He had to get on the bus and go... Uh, take the Magical Express back to the airport to go. So I didn't get to meet Gareth in person, but I did get his hug that he gave to Chris to give to me. So that was pretty good. And I know that we'll definitely be meeting up again. So Friday, I was even though I was sad when I got there that I missed Gareth, we still had the best time at the Magic Kingdom. Oh, my God, that whole day was just hilarious. Yeah, it really was just... It was so, I mean, it was just so much fun. There was so much that happened. I mean, I rode Splash Mountain with Chris and Laura, and we all got mm-hmm. completely soaked. Um, and that was where we actually saw you for the first time as we were coming around the bend. And you would say, yes. you would send me the text message saying that, I, you know, you would be watching us. And so as we came around the bend, I'm all looking for you and trying to figure out, okay, like, where's Amy? Where's Amy? One of these is Amy. <laughs> And then, I, and then I saw you, and what was so funny was I actually didn't see you first. I saw your son, Jacob, and I was like, oh, I know him. And then I, and then I saw you kind of below because he's so tall. So I was like, oh, there yeah. she is. There's Amy. <laughs> and we were standing next to that wall that's right there at Splash where you can watch. But I'm so short. Like, you, by only my head goes over the wall. So I was, like, stretching on my toes to, like, try and – make sure I could see you guys. It was so funny. And then I, I think I forgot to tell you this. When After you guys went around that bend and I saw you, I wasn't sure how long it was going to take for you to get to the top of that big hill. So, like, every single cart that came down I was snapping a picture of. So I have, like, 20 or 30 pictures of random people coming down Splash Mountain because I was waiting for you guys so I could get that picture. It was so funny. <laughs> that yeah, that's hilarious. Um, the funny thing too is, you know, when we finally got up to the top of Flash Mountain and we were going down the big drop, um, we, you know, it obviously, you know, it snaps the picture because there's a camera right there, and in the picture, which is online on, I think it's on the uh, Once Upon a Time fans Facebook page. Um, okay. It's me, it's me. I'm sitting next to Peter, and then Laura and Chris are behind us, and Peter has his hat on. And that is the last time that Peter that you know saw his hat because it oh. fell off his head on the hill on the way down, right afterwards. Oh and so we were laughing about you know how funny it would be you know his hat's just kind of hanging out there on a thorn like <laughs> on Splash Mountain, oh my just God. waiting for him to come back and get it. So yeah, it was, yeah. he was like, we got we got off the ride of poor Peter. He was like, oh man, I just lost my hat. Like, I was like, oh Peter, like oh no, <laughs> we should. I forgot like. Because, you know, you just don't think about that kind of thing, I'm sure. I mean, so many people have probably lost their hat. But it was just, right, you know, right. it's so funny that he literally had to hold on to your hat moment and then lost it. I mean, I just think that that's just pretty funny. So, um, <laughs> But then, yeah, Friday night, uh, we all kind of, we some of us got together for dinner, most of us at, uh, at Epcot Center and had a really great dinner. But 
Um, Saturday is when Enchanticon happened. So, yeah, we went to the Q&A session with uh, Keegan Connor Tracy and Raphael Sparge, or Esparge. I'm still not sure how to say his last name, and I'm sorry, Raphael, for butchering it. Um, and then Tony Amendola was there as well. And it was quite lively, um, especially Keegan. Um, Got to give a shout-out to Keegan Connor Tracy for being so <laughs> spunky <laughs> at the panel because she was just uh, <laughs> she was so funny. I won't repeat anything of what she said because uh, it's a, it's kind of R-rated. But she did at one point let out an <laughs> expletive asking somebody what his shirt said, um, and <laughs> it was just yeah. a little. I, I was not expecting to hear that at all. And as soon as she said, "Does your shirt say bleep Canada?" I was like, "Oh man." <laughs> I am so totally 1,000% in love with Keegan Connor Tracy right now. Like, she, <laughs> she was just I know. so awesome. You even leaned over to me and told me that Zach was sitting next to me during the panel, and he leaned over, and he's like, oh, my God, I'm so in love with Keeks now. <laughs> I was like, right? Isn't she great? And it's funny because she was the first one I saw that day. When I got to Doubletree, you were already there, and I was walking to meet you, and my son Jacob, my husband, and I had my two stepkids, Anna and Tyler, with me. And we were walking. We had to pass the pool. And as we're walking by, I looked over, and Keegan was sitting in a lounge chair reading. She was, you know, just dressed in jeans and, and a T-shirt or, or the shirt she wore to the panel. But I was looking out of the corner of my eye, and I was like, oh, my God, is that Keegan? Is that Keegan? And then we kept walking and my son and my kids are all trying to be, you know, incognito and kind of look from behind a tree without being weird. And so I know we were all walking by, like, with our heads turning to the left. And my son's like, okay, oh, my God, it's Keith. Don't be weird. I was like, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're trying not to be weird. It's so funny. Yeah, don't don't be weird as there's, like, five people poking their noses <laughs> looking over I the fence. Know, right? <laughs> And then, and then right so after funny. that, Tony, Tony and Raphael walked by us, and oh, it was hilarious because Tony and Raphael walked by us. They, um, we didn't stop and speak, but they were being walked, um, talking to someone else, and obviously we didn't want to interrupt. But uh, Tony waved, and I waved to him, and I tweeted right at that time as I was walking in the building. I was like, "Oh my gosh, just saw Tony Amendola." And, like, three seconds later, I got a tweet back from him, and he said, oh, oh my gosh, I just saw Amy Hood. I was like, that is so hilarious. I'm going to save that forever. Yeah, it's, um, it was, uh, I mean, that whole, that whole experience was really kind of bizarre because um, when, like, when we went to the panel, you know, we go to the Q&A, and... I stood up to ask a question, and I, it was one of the most, it was seriously one of the most surreal moments of my life. I stood up to ask a question, and I said, okay, I'm Zach Lenore, I'm Once Upon a Fan, thank you all for coming to the panel. And Keegan t- blew my mind and said, oh, I know who you are, you're the Zach fan on Twitter. And, like, real, like I mean, people, yeah. I mean, apparently other people in the room knew who I was, but it was seriously, like, I just, I wasn't I was not expecting to hear that at all. It was really I mean, the last thing I expected to hear come out of any of their mouths was oh I know who you are. So it was just I felt really like okay like this is a sign that you know Twitter and what all the fans are saying to these actors really has an impact on them because you know 
I mean, she recognized who I was, and I know that there are other oncers who are there in that room that are very, very, you know, they're on social media a lot. You know, they have a regular presence there. So it was really, um, I mean, it was so, oh, my God, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say about that. Like, I know. Just, it was crazy. And I, it, everything was, it just seemed like the whole day was surreal. I mean, the day before, I, it was just amazing because I couldn't believe we were all meeting and then we got to Enchanticon, and everything was fantastic. And, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that we've been talking uh, to Lori Mahoney back and forth, either individually or, you know, as a group, we'd all been talking with her and getting ready and planning interviews. And I was worried we weren't going to see her, but we actually did see her in that panel. Um, and then I got to give her a hug real quick afterwards in the midst of her running around like crazy. But... Um, they, she came out during that same panel and presented that guitar to Raphael for his charity, which was amazing. Yeah, I thought that was really, really awesome. They had that guitar donated, and then, yeah, it's going to go for Raphael's charity, which is Green Wish. Um, you can find more information out at greenwish.org um, about what he's doing over there. But, yeah, it was really um, – it was just awesome. I mean, that Q&A was really – I mean, getting to listen to them. I mean, first of all, I was just tickled because we were listening to the Blue Fairy, Jiminy Cricket, and Geppetto talking about right. the show. And they're all from the same story. So I was like, okay, this is just kind of, I mean, the only person missing here is Ian Bailey. And we could, I mean, we could have a full-on, you know, like Pinocchio yeah. recap story. Yeah, you right. know, it's just a live reenactment. Like, <laughs> just on the stage, oh. I just do a live stage reading. would have been so cool. But, um yeah, so Enchanticon, yeah, so then that happened. We had some interviews going on. Um, of course, we interviewed Raphael Sparge, Jess Barge, um, mm-hmm. early in that morning. And then later in the afternoon, we got to speak with Gil McKinney, who plays uh, Prince Eric. Prince and we Eric, also got yeah. to speak with Ethan Embry, who plays um, Greg. And I just mm-hmm. want to thank all three of those actors for giving us their their time and, you know, sitting down to speak with us. We really appreciate it. And once upon a fan, it was really, really nice to get the chance to talk to all of you. Um, Especially, I mean, I got, yeah, it was just so, yeah, just the chance to talk to any of them, you know, just one of them would have been great. But the fact that we got to talk to all three of them was really nice. And we really, really appreciate it. Hmm. And everyone, all the actors this weekend, it was amazing to me because the only conventions I've ever been to before have been huge conventions that are for multiple shows, multiple genres, like Megacon, which comes to here uh, in Orlando. So Enchanticon was, you know, for a single show, and I was um, just not sure how it was going to turn out. Would it be big like the way the other ones were? Would it be small? How would the interaction be? And it was really amazing because the level that we got to interact with the actors and how close everybody got to be and just being able to ask the questions, it wasn't like one of these crazy, you know, huge panel things where you have to run and then you have to try and fight for a seat and, you know, not everybody's going to get a chance to... Um, you know, get a, even just get a look and get pictures and see, you know, everything that's going on. But this was so, so well done as far as being sure that 
all of the guests, no matter what their ticket packages were, because we talked about, you know, how there were all these different ticket packages, and some people I heard were worried that if they didn't have the higher-end packages, they really weren't going to get to participate with cast. But, I mean, the panels were fantastic. I mean, that one with Keegan, Raphael, and Tony, oh, my God. I just wanted to, like, scoop them all up and stick them in my pocket and take them home. I loved them. That was probably one of the best panels I've ever been to with the three of them. It was yeah, so, I so I got to agree um, because having done you know when I went to San Diego Comic Con and then also having done the D twenty three convention, um, it really was like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, to the as far as to your point of people, you know, not everybody getting to go to a certain panel, not everybody getting to see you know the actors that they wanted to see. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really really uh, just. Yeah, it was really one of the best panels, and it was really nice that we were all getting to interact with them on such a personal level, um, because I know that there were some people, like, I mean, for myself, there were things at D23 that I wanted to go to that I couldn't, because there were just so many people that had already gotten all of the seats by the time I got up to the counter, so the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, it was so open um, was really nice, and I also think that the fact that it was focused just on the one show really yes. helped make it yes. more – that's actually what made it more personal is the fact that there weren't – I mean, that there wasn't another show to compete with, you know, and there was a – you know, there wasn't like a gargantuan, huge amount of people running for places. I mean, you know, people, they really got to ask a lot of personal questions and they really got – you know, the, mm-hmm. the actors really got to interact with the audience on a much more personal level. So I love the setup. I love the way that Enchanticon did everything. Um, yeah, kudos again to Lori Mahoney and, you know, the rest of the crew there who helped pull that off because it was the whole team really, thank you all so much for bringing us such a great convention. I mean, it was just, I mean, I made, I made friends with people, you know, I finally got to, to meet in person the people that have been on Facebook and Twitter for, you know, over a year, like Brooks Summerlin and, you know, Angie Konisberg and, you know, Karen Morrow. I mean, we got to talk to mm-hmm. to all of them. And it was so nice getting, I mean, because really it was just such a, I mean, it was almost a serendipitous moment because, I, I mean, the finally getting to meet everyone in this Wonster community, this fantastic fan community that we have all around us with so many wonderful people. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad, I'm, you know, Marie and, and Jose and, you know this wonderful gal named Christy, who I danced with at the at the at the ball. Shout out to Christy too, for because I saved the last dance for her. She said so. You know, I right, Christy, I totally remember dancing with you and and the costume contest and just oh my god, the whole thing. It was I mean yeah. it was yeah. just so I mean it was so much fun. I mean I really yeah. I didn't want it to be over. I was so sad when it was over. I just wanted it to to go on forever really. Um, we even then, mentioned course, that we were ready for the next one. We were like, oh, okay, when can we do this again? We were ready to do it again. And the cosplay, oh, my God. The cosplay, oh, my God, the cosplay, yes. Uh, I told Angela, she's with us in the chat room right now, but I told her on Twitter, I was looking at her pictures, and I was like, you know, seeing you guys in all of those cosplay outfits and everything inspired me to come, to want to do it myself. I'm so tempted to the next time, you know, if we can put it together and 
and just be able to dress up because there were some amazing costumes. Everybody looked so good. I was like, wow, we got all these pictures. They're just beyond words. They were just fantastic. And you know what we forgot to mention? We forgot to mention the big hilarious happening that happened on Friday at Magic Kingdom. I just happened to think about that, speaking about cosplay and Peter Pan, because I know I saw someone dressed as Peter Pan. <laughs> go ahead. You, go ahead. And <laughs> <laughs> so on Friday at the Magic Kingdom, while we were all there together, and we were with Marie and Peter Pizza, different groups, but the majority of us were still together, and Zach had never gotten to ride Peter Pan, which obviously was one of the big must-dos, especially with the Neverland storyline, and we know Zach loves Peter Pan, and we all of us really love the whole Peter Pan thing. So we went and we got on the Peter Pan ride, and for those of you who haven't been to Walt Disney World, what it is is you get two people to a flying ship, and your two people get in, and then it runs along the ceiling. So you're up fairly high, and you fly through our world, through Wendy Darling's house, and then you take off, and you fly through London, and then you fly into Neverland. Well, when we got into Neverland, we were about halfway through so that our entire party of however many, was it, six or seven carts full of us was in the Neverland section on this ride, and then it just stopped, and it, it <laughs> jerked a few times like it wanted to go, and then they kept coming on the, the intercom saying, you know, please wait momentarily. Your ride will start again in just a moment. And every time they said that, nothing happened except the music would come back on. So we were stuck in Neverland for like 20 minutes just sitting there. And Zach and I were together in a cart, and we were cracking up because he's like, wow, we're kind of high. And then he starts filming with his camera, and he's like, we're stuck in Neverland. Pan won't let us leave. We started clapping, trying to get a fairy. He's like, mermaid, fairy, magic bean, can someone help us, please? And Anybody? Could somebody it. please yeah. help us get out of Neverland? Because we're stuck here. And there's nothing yeah. that we can do. It was so funny, though. And I thought, I, I looked at Zach, I was like, oh, my God, our whole entire staff and family and the people we're here with were the only ones stuck in this Neverland area. And it was just, we were like, oh, my God, what's the chances of, you know, that being the main storyline right now for season three, that's the section we get stuck in, and we're all on this ride. So I know Zach got some pretty funny footage from that, so I've only seen like two minutes of it. I cannot wait to see the rest of it, because I was laughing so hard, I was almost crying in the seat. Well, yeah, because when we first originally broke down, we were in between the part where the where there's the mermaids and the uh, where there's the native Neverlandins at their camp. And I say native Neverlandins instead of Native Americans because they're not Native Americans and not America. So they're right. the native Neverlandins. And so we were stuck at that section, and it was so funny because when I said, "Can we get?" when I was filming, and I said, "Can we get a mermaid to swim?" I turned around and said. Oh, look, there's a mermaid. <laughs> Can we get a ride on her, please? <laughs> because really, like, and the funny part, too, was that every time they would put the voice, the, the, you know, the voice would come over and say that the ride was about to start moving. As soon as that voice turned off, the music was playing louder. So they, wa- they, yes. didn't, <laughs> they, they didn't want us to forget where we were. I mean, God forbid. 
we had we I had know. to make sure that we knew that we were in Neverland the whole time. And I was like, man, of all the people, of all the times, of all the groups that get stuck in Neverland, it's once upon a fan stuck in Neverland. Like, I felt like, okay, who's going to get the crossbow? Who's going to get the sword? Like, yeah. we needed Mark Davis to be with where's us Henry? so we could have his hook. I mean, it was a, yeah, where's Henry? Like, we might as well just do the thing. If we're going to be here and be stuck, we might as well do it right. I mean, it was just well one of those him. things. It was so funny. I mean, it was it really was just hilarious being stuck in Neverland with you on the same boat. What <laughs> are the what are the funniest? Probably one of the funniest um, stories of everything that we that we experienced while we were <laughs> there at the parks. It was really fun. And then a- yeah. afterwards, when we saw the castle get all lit up, that was just really, really, really cool. I mean, it it was just so awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I've never got to see the castle get all, you know, lit up and look all pretty and sparsely before. So, yeah, it was right, it was really really awesome. Christmas lighting. Yeah, they had the, yeah, the like Christmas his, lighting up. Yeah, so it was all sparkly and you know it looked like it was covered in ice. And we saw the show where you know Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Goofy were trying to figure out how to decorate the castle, and and then the fairy godmother comes out and you know she's. You know, they asked Cinderella to come out because it's her castle, so she should get to decide how it's decorated and and just all this other stuff. And it was just, I mean, that it was just such a great experience. Such, a, I mean, just fantastic. Oh, too, one thing I want to make sure that I talk about also. Okay, so on Tuesday night, the first day that we were actually in the parks, me and Gareth went to be our guest for dinner because um, he oh, managed yeah. to score some reservations there and. Let me tell you, everyone, if, if you look at it online, the pictures, like, it doesn't do it justice. It is one of the most awesome restaurants I've ever been to. We got to eat in the West Wing, which I was super excited about because that's one that you have to, you know, kind of ask for and see if you can get it, and we did get it. So it was super awesome, um, which and it's basically, you know, the West Wing from the movie. So it's like the Beast bedroom, and they have the painting up on the wall of, you know, the Prince Adam, the untransformed beast, and every seven minutes, whenever there be a stroke of, you know, some flash of lightning, the paint changes to the beast really quick, and then it goes back. Um, Mm -hmm. It was just so cool. I mean, it was, oh, my God. And then they had the rose, and they had the The mirror, and they had all the things. Yeah, I mean, it was, and they had the, the best part, too, was that they have the tapestry from the movie that, you know, he, when he rips it, I think towards mm-hmm. the beginning, like when they're doing the beginning. And it's the same tapestry that they have in Skin Deep in Rumpel's Castle when he, yes, yes. you know, it's the same one. So when I saw that, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, like it's Rumpel's tapestry. I'm totally in the Dark One Castle right now. This is awesome. I mean, it was <laughs> just one of those things. Because I can't help it. He is so synonymous now with the Beast to me. That I mean, right. just like kind of the rest of the characters I once upon a time, I mean, they have kind of replaced the Disney versions of the characters for me. So, though, I mean, and the cool thing was like the Beast came into the dining room, and me and Gareth got to go meet him and stuff, and and it was just such a good time. And the food was fantastic. The setting was great. I mean, that was totally cool. Thursday when we went to the Sci-Fi Diner drive-in, oh my God, I told you, probably one of my favorite restaurants I've ever been to, because it mm-hmm. seems, I mean, even though you're inside. It's themed like a drive-in movie theater. So your tables are little cars. And, I mean, you know, like when they bring you your bill at the end, it's a parking ticket. I mean, it was just 
I mean, it was just so cool, and I got I got to get there with Gareth and Chris and Maury and Peter and Maury's mom and watch these really cheesy sci-fi movie previews from, like, the 40s. I was just playing up there, like, the Catwomen of the Moon, which was, I mean, yeah. Hilarious, yeah. <laughs> hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Um, I mean, just a, just such a great experience. There's, there's, I mean, our bond, I mean, like I said, us Once Upon a Fan staff are we're a family now, I'm pretty sure. Like, we're not – I can't imagine not being friends with everyone for the rest of our lives. And right. I mean, I mean, because it was I – mean, I mean, really, we all got to be so close. Um, I really bonded with pretty much everyone. So, I mean, it was just such a great – such a great experience. And I'm really glad that we all got to meet. And it was – I mean, you know, it was just – there's no words, really. Yeah, um, Chris, our our uh, one of our fellow staff members, Chris, she's joining us in the chat room. She said, you know, we're the, we're the full family, and I completely agree. Angie is saying that she's got the post con blues, and Angie, I totally understand what you mean. I've been missing everyone like crazy since we have parted company. I mean, it's so yeah. weird that I can't just call everyone and say, you know, hey, where are you at? Where are we meeting today for lunch? I mean, I know that, yeah. you know, there never would have been enough time. There would never have been enough time, really. But I wish we'd had one more day after Hachanicon to hang out together and just kind of reflect on what we had done. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was so good to meet everybody. And, of course, on Saturday, too, when we were at Enchanticon, we had the Once Upon a Fan panel, which um, yes. oh, I have so to give... I had, it was so much fun, and I want to give a huge, huge thank you to all of the people who came to our panel. Um, I know that, you know, Brooke was there, and Angie, and Karen Morrow, and and a bunch of other people. Um, you know, Peter was obviously there, all of those staff members, but we we really loved interacting and talking with all of you. Um, it was a really personal conversation, I kind of felt like. I mean, we... Um, it was Yeah, it was great to be able to not only tell the story of the website and share, you know, the personal effect that it's had for all of the staff members, but getting to talk to all of you was just fantastic. Definitely, yeah. It was, it was amazing getting to, because the show just reached last month, it reached its two-year anniversary. So, yeah, that was kind of yeah. a big milestone. And then I know we've known about Antanacon for a few months, but it was, you know, it's the first year. Nobody really knew what to expect, and it was just so much more than I ever could have expected, not just, you know, the convention and the actors, but getting to see all of these people that we've only interacted on the site with, you know, or through Twitter or Facebook, people that we might tweet or Facebook talk to, almost every day, literally, for two years of our lives, and then find, finally getting to meet up at this convention where everybody there is exactly where they belong. Everybody is in a place yep. where everyone else completely understands that you're totally obsessed with Once Upon a Time, that the names, you know, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis and Jane Espenson and you know, these names mean something to everybody there. And everybody was just, you know, so good to each other and so kind to each other. And it really was a testament to what the show has done and what the Definitely. fan site has done as far as helping everybody come together. And 
you know, I've mentioned it before, I always call our group of fans, you know, we have a ton of them, but there's, I always call everybody our once upon a family because even though, you know, we might see, you know, some people like this character, some people like this ship, on and on, whatever. But when it comes down to it at the end of the day, the, you know, the show is about hope. And I think that most, the majority of the fan base is has really taken that to heart. And I think that means a lot to everybody. I think it means more than you can put into words. So I think it's, it was just really amazing. And I, I definitely had a hard time saying goodbye to, you know, people like Marie and everybody that we met at the con and then you guys. You were the last one I said goodbye to, Zach. I had, like, the worst time <laughs> saying goodbye to you. I was a mess yeah, after that. I... <laughs> Yeah, I was I was really um and it was really sad because when Gareth went home on Friday morning, that's when it it kind of you know I mean it didn't really start then because nobody else went home until Sunday morning, but it was it was really kind of you know and oh one of us had to go home, and then you know like Saturday we got to do the con and and then we went to the to the fairy tale ball, which we'll get to that discussion in just a second because that that needs its own discussion the, the ball because of how fabulous it was. My God, Lori Mahoney and your staff again! I've got to give it up to you guys because it was so much fun. Yes, but um, and Josh but, in the you know, Peter Pan costume. Oh, yeah, and jo- oh my God, Josh in the Peter Pan costume, and then Mark Davis went out there. Mark Davis was dressed like Hook, and they had the costume contest, and they. They they went and fought out on the dance floor and it was just I mean it was perfect I mean it was, they couldn't have been more perfect there's mm-hmm. pictures of it online too so um, you know yeah, we'll be adding I all knew, that stuff. when I knew that Josh was the perfect host for the weekend that they could not have gotten anyone better is when he was talking to all of us about um, the necklaces he had and his tattoo that it was the acorn and the thimble from Peter Pan which in the original, you know, stories and movie, uh, those are what uh, Peter Pan represents or thinks of as a kiss. So he and Wendy each, you know, at one point give each other one or the other of those things. And when he was talking about that and said that, you know, showed that he had that tattoo, I was like, that is just the best thing ever. I think that was at the uh, the Skype panel that we had that um, yeah, it, yeah, happened yeah, that afternoon. Yeah, he was so good. Yeah, the Skype panel, by the way, for for everybody who's listening, I'm sure that you're all aware, but before the convention happened, um, Beverly Elliott, Lee Ehrenberg, Faustino Debata, um, God, who else? Oh, help me out, Amy. Who else was there? There was some, there were Michael Coleman. Gabe. Yeah, um, Michael Coleman, and, Gabe Coos was there. Yeah, they all, they all did a Skype session because they weren't able to attend the con in person. So they Skyped mm-hmm. in instead, and it was so just, I mean – it was so cool to get to see them at all, but that that they were all together. I mean, it was like Granny and and you know, four or five of the dwarves all together. I mean, it was it was yeah. really cool, and we're really grateful to them too for being able to Skype in because they had to cancel due to, you know, a filming you know scheduling conflict. Which on mm-hmm. the surface, you know, at first you could kind of think, oh well, that's that's too bad that they weren't able to join us because uh, you know at all. But the reason why they weren't able to join us, the fact that they're filming something, is actually a good thing because that means we get to see their characters more on the show. So even though it was sad not to see them in person at the con, it was still really great to get to see their participation through Skype and to know that we're getting more Team 7, you know, more Granny. Um, yeah. And one of my, I think one of my favorite parts of that panel 
was when they were asking, you know, about ships. And, you know, they asked who should Granny be with, and we all said Geppetto, and Bev heard it. And, knew that, and so, so now, you know, so now she's aware of the Granny Geppetto ship, which I actually shipped that one pretty hard, to be honest with you. I think that it would be great for the two of them to get together because they're the two older characters on the show. And, uh, yeah, that's so – I just – I want to see them together. So I love the fact that now, you know, she's aware of that, and I'm sure Tony is now too. And, yeah, it was just really – Really, really fun. Um, again, thank you to everybody for coming out to the Once Upon a Fan panel and listening to us talk. It was really fun getting to talk to all of you. Um, I was so sad to have it end. Um, I just I wanted it to keep, to keep going. I mean, that con could have lasted forever, and it never would have been enough. Um, and then, of course, Saturday night was the fairy tale ball, which mm-hmm. um, was just freaking awesome i mean it was so cool um having seeing everybody dressed up and seeing all of us staff members you know get all the you know all the gals get dressed up in their in their dresses and you know everybody looking so 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 gorgeous as Lori would say it was so good they everyone looks so gorgeous. <laughs> so gorgeous um yeah and you know just having so much fun and all the pictures that we took and and getting to you know socialize for even a brief period of time with some of the stars of the show, like with Keegan and David Andrews was there and Ethan Embry and Tony. I mean, all of them, Raphael standing in the corner taking pictures with everyone for what seemed like hours. Um, mm. Just being, you know, everybody being so kind. And I was able to speak to a couple of them personally and, and just relate why the show means so much to me and, and you know, how awesome it mm. is and, and how fun that it was. Um, yeah, it was just so oh, cool. And, um, so and Lori's cousin Anthony, who came with Lori to the con, he was dressed <laughs> up and he had on a bow tie that was Henry's colors. It was so cute, so so cute. Love that kid. So I know Lori just joined us in the chat room, and Lori, we are just crazy in love with Anthony for real. That kid. Yeah. Well, I'm also. Anytime. I have to say, I'm also crazy in love with Lori herself. I, yes. I don't think there – I could not have spent enough time with Lori at all. I've, number one, she's got one of the best accents ever, and I could listen to her talk all day. Like, oh, yes. what? We're going to go to the con, you know? We're going to go to the con, and she's going to host the panel, the Once Upon a You're Fan panel. It was just going to be so much fun. <laughs> it was just a blast. And we are, um, of course, now that we've got a couple of our staff members who are trying to call in is when we're having technical difficulties with the switchboard. Amy and I are both going – crazy over here trying to get this unmuted and chris says Lori is going to kill us for bringing up her accent but she's got one of the best accents ever it's all from love because seriously like it's it was i could just listen to Lori talk all day so yeah so for (laughs) anybody who's trying to call into the show right now we can't get onto the switchboard to get any of the callers on so it's kind of me we're been trying for the last 45 minutes to get access to that and Mm -hmm. we think it's actually a problem with um, Blog Talk Radio's website because neither one of us can get on. So um, the fact, of course, now that we want to have some people call in and we can't do it, but please remain patient. We're hoping that it will resolve itself by the end of the show. I'm sorry that we can't talk to you guys right now. Um, yeah, it does totally, totally. It's not a very good thing, but we're working on it. Maybe we just need to enchant it a little bit. So um, the fairy tale ball also uh, um, with the costume contest and everything and. There because there was a costume contest, and so everybody kind of gathered around the dance floor, and one by one, you know, just kind of went in the center and 
gave yourselves a little spin, you know, model spin to go with what, you know, just because you had to, just spin it around a little bit, show everyone your costume, see how good you were looking. And, and uh, I got to say that the one that actually, because there were a lot of costumes and a lot of really good ones, but the one that really, really does stand out for me is Maury, our, our movie trivia maven, Maury. She had on this purple dress, that was, and she was the purple cloud of purple, you know, purple magic smoke. So, yeah, so she looks so gorgeous, so gorgeous. Since all of the ruffles and everything, she just looks so awesome. And I mean, Laura looked great in her red dress, and Chris with her black and white gown, and Lori with her, you know, she was Emma in Snow's purple dress. She looked fabulous. She had this mask on that was great. Um, God, I mean, Jennifer had this really good red dress on. Woodrow looked like Ruth. She totally looked like Charming's mom, Ruth. That was who, I mean, that was who I got. Um, yeah, lots of lacing. Uh, so many, so, yeah, because all of the corsets, so there was all of the lacing going on. Um, I mean, it was just such a fabulous time. And, and really, like, it's, it was an experience that I'm never going to forget ever. I mean, not only because we all met and got to be friends, but because I talked to so many people at that ball who, you know, kind of felt like I did about the show. I mean, just how, I mean, we all pretty much feel this way. I think how much, you know, the show has changed our lives and brought us friendships that we never really could have imagined before. Because, I mean, like I flew from Seattle, Chris came from Canada, you know, Gareth was in from the UK, Marie came from Argentina. And so many people, you know, from all over the, and so many people came from other places that I don't even know about, that I didn't even get to talk to them about, that, I mean, it really is just indicative of the power of Once Upon a Time, really, and, you know, the message of hope and faith and love and family, just, I mean, it's created, I mean, such a fabulous, I mean, it's created such an awesome, you know, group of people. Once Upon a Family, yeah. Once upon a family, yeah, like Angie came from San Jose, Lori was from New York, Teresa came from Texas, you know, Maury was there from Georgia, uh, Laura came from Illinois, um, there were just Peter so came many from people. Connecticut, I mean, yeah. Yeah, Peter came from Connecticut, Jen was in from Rhode Island, I mean, it was just, it was just so crazy that we all, <laughs> Chris was saying that she wants to make sure she came from Halifax in Nova Scotia, so. Chris didn't just come from Canada. She came from the really far corner of Canada. Like, to the, like if you look at Canada, to the right, all the way to the right, yeah, Chris was over there. So it was, I mean, it was just so, so enchanting and, <laughs> and magical. Right, I know definitely. that sounds probably so cheesy, but it really was. I mean, it was one of the funnest freaking experiences I've ever had in my life. I'm never going to forget this, ever. I mean, not mm-hmm. just meaning guys, but meaning all the oncers getting to dance out on that dance floor, you know, with a bunch of people that I didn't even know, but that we all just love the show and, and, you know, walking around with Gil McKinney and, and everybody else who was at the con. I mean, oh my God, it was just so fabulous. So, so fabulous. This con was so worth it. I mean, it was worth every, every bit of everything that went into it. It it was completely worth it. Definitely. It was so much fun. It was definitely one of the best times I've ever had. The con was fantastic. I know a lot of people beforehand were worried because of the fact that Bev and the four uh, dwarfs that were scheduled, that they were all going to have to stay up and 
and film. But it was, I mean, it was amazing. And that actually happens all the time. That wasn't something exclusive to this con. Anybody who's a regular con goer knows that your guest list is subject to, you know, what they, when they're called to work, they have to work. So that's kind of the norm, actually. I, I would have been more shocked if nobody had had to cancel on their appearances. But I'm super glad that it meant that we're getting more Beverly and more Team 7. And I actually asked a question in the panel, and Bev was waving because she had mentioned to me in a message beforehand that she wanted to say hi. So she was like, Amy. And then I mentioned my son Jacob's name while I was asking him the question. So his face was like all beet red. And so it's something, <laughs> you know, my, I was lucky that my family got to be there and, you know, both of my families, my real family and my once upon a family who, and all of the fan site people that now you guys are all my family too. And we just had the best time ever. It was amazing being there and being able to share all of those things. And I definitely hope that EnchantaCon happens again and that we do get this experience. And it would be so much fun. Oh my gosh, me too. So good. And combining it with Disney was amazing. The only, only thing that could have been any better was if the con had been at one of the Disney convention hotels, because then we could have just popped back and forth. That's like the only exactly. thing I can think of that would have been any better. Yeah, so exactly. That, that's, that's the only thing I could think of, too. I mean, it was, it was so cool. I mean, just the whole, the whole thing from beginning to end, the whole Enchanticon, because, yeah, we didn't know what it was going to be like, and uh, Hope was there. You know, she hosts another podcast and has her page, Hope Mullinax, and I got to meet her too. And um, so many people, like, I, it felt like, I mean, like what Chris said earlier in the chat room, we were a soul family. And that's what mm-hmm. it was because there were a couple of people. I mean, first of all, when I met all of, you know, the fellow Once Upon a Fan staff, I mean, it felt like we were all soul twins. I mean, every time I met somebody. But then... Right. You know, like like meeting some of the oncers, like you know Karen Morrow especially. Um, you know, she's she and I are friends on Facebook and I'm following on Twitter and stuff. And I hadn't really chatted to her that much. Um, you know, privately we just kind of liked each other's statuses and commented now and again. But as soon as I saw her in the reception area of Enchantacon, as soon as I looked at her, I was just like, oh my god, you have I, I felt like I had known her for centuries almost. Like it was just Definitely, one of those things. Yeah. It was just one of those things. And you know what? That happened with so many people, though. And that's why I was like, really, like, you know what? This, everything really does happen for a reason. I fully believe that because this one thing bringing us all together and I was having so much fun and everything, I mean, it was magic. I mean, it, was, it felt like fate. Like, there was, like, the real purpose of Once Upon a Time was for all of us to have this huge extended once family. And, I mean, it was just... It was just, yeah, it, it is in an awesomely creepy sort of way. We did all hatch from the same egg, so to speak, like the dwarves. We're all like dwarves, right? Only we're coming out of one yes. massive once upon a time egg. Like, it was, <laughs> I mean, and it's something, egg. it's really hard to put into words how it made me feel like. I actually feel different after this trip, and in a way that I mm-hmm. can't really explain. I mean, I feel happier, more peaceful. Like, it's really hard to explain the feeling, like, I'm content, I know that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Lori is saying in the chat room, even though we never met in person, it was like it didn't matter, we all knew each other, no surprises. 
I mean, we all just clicked. I mean, it really was the kind of thing where, I mean, if I was just, there are no words. I don't know a human word to describe what Enchanticon did. Like, because there was something, I mean, not that we didn't have fun the rest of the week, because we did, the Once Upon a Fan stuff, we had a blast the rest of the week together. But there was mm-hmm. something so special about this convention and the people that we met. And, I mean, I have so many people now that I'm, you know, friends with, that I wasn't friends with before, you know, and now I'm, I'm, I mean, <laughs> we're just one big happy family now. Right. And, well, you know, and it's so funny. Of, yeah. The way that I feel about it, do you remember the story? And I can't remember if it's a Shel Silverstein story or not. And it was like the little Pac-Man shaped, you know, guy, and he was rolling along and something was missing. Like, I feel like, you know, everything was cool and peachy and we had been Pac-Man-shaped people, but then we kind of found our other little piece, you know. Like, that's what happened when we got to the con and when we got to, you know, when all of you got to Orlando and we all got together. I kind of feel like even though, yes, we were complete, you know, before, and yes, we have families and we have lives and outside things, that we kind of snapped a piece into when we all came together. Like, it was just a piece of, you know, the puzzle that that we were kind of missing before. So that's what I kind of yeah. like. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, like, there were missing pieces in my life that I didn't even know were missing until I met everybody. And then I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like, why haven't I been... There you are. <laughs> well, there you are, exactly. Like, I found yeah. you. Like, yeah, <laughs> we found each other. Like, we will always find each other, but that's what it was like. It really did feel yeah. like that. Like, finding missing pieces in my life and in my soul and my heart that I didn't know that I was missing until we all finally got together. And then once we did, it was like, yeah. I mean, it was just... Because the thing is, what, you know, what's so funny is I've always wondered what's going to happen after the show ends. And now I feel like once the show is over, like, I mean, kind of like what we were saying when we were in town together, this was actually just the beginning of a much bigger thing. I mean, this wasn't, you know, the end of anything. This is actually the beginning of something much, much bigger. And, you know, I just, I can't wait for all of our friendships and relationships to develop and, and, you know, watch our family kind of move forward from here and, you know, see what happens to all of us and, you know, just keep in touch and, and everything. Like, I'm so, so, so excited for our lives now together. And I know that might sound cheesy and I don't want to get all sweet and sugary with everything, but that's really how I feel. Like, I'm a big feeler. I wear my heart on my sleeve. And, yeah, like, I love you guys all so much, not just the Once Upon a Fan family, which, I mean, the staff, you all staff members know, I mean, you guys know how much I adore you all, but I mean, yeah. I love everybody that we met too in this weird, hopefully it's not coming off creepy, but yeah, I love you guys so much. <laughs> like that was really what I took away from this thing was how much love we all had for each other. Like when we were all hanging out together on Saturday throughout the con and then we did the panel and then the ball, I mean, I, all I could think of like really when I was on the plane on the way home, I was thinking I just spent a week in total just love. I just, I'm just totally 1000% in friendship, family, love with everyone that I just met. And I think that that's the difference because there wasn't really, there was no arguing. There wasn't really any, a lot of fighting or anything. It was just one big happy 
family discussion. Like, and I think that's probably why I felt so almost liberated. Like, right. just really, really happy. Yeah, just I'm just really, really happy. I guess yeah. <laughs> it's the only way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. So again, thank you to everybody who participated in EnchantaCon and everything because we've created something awesome. Definitely, I can't wait to do it again. I'm so excited to hear what the plans are and if I mean I would love to see it come back to Orlando and be an annual thing where it happens every single year I mean that would be fantastic because then it could sort of be like this annual tradition that you know this huge group of oncers gets to participate in for one weekend out of the year so I would, I mean, that would be amazing if we could have everybody, you know, once a year at this event. It would be fantastic. I know it's just, I mean, it was fantastic this time. I know it's just going to keep getting better and better each year now that people see what a huge, huge thing that this was and how much it meant to so many people. Yeah, because it really, I mean, I know that from all the other people that I was talking to online afterwards and even during the whole thing, like, it mm-hmm. really did mean it meant the world, the moon and stars, you know, I mean, it meant everything to a whole lot of us. So um, I'm just going to, and I'm going to, I will sing their praises through all the live long day. Thank you so much to Lori Mahoney and all of the staff and Enchanticon for this event. I really cannot thank you enough for what you gave us this weekend. It was just incredible. Yes, definitely. A huge thank you to Lori and Josh and everybody that was, involved in putting it together and hosting it. Everything was just phenomenal, just beyond words. Yeah, it was it was really cool. So on that note, I'm going to try and see what's going on with the website here and see if we can't get people to call in. Hopefully we can, but I make no promises, listeners. My apologies. <laughs> There's some Apparently the magic that we have created this weekend that we brought home with us for the week has infected all of our technology because it's just not working. So, you know, magic and science, we all know what a big deal that is. So don't know what's going on. But, yeah, so I guess suppose now we can get into the episode review and if we end up getting access to, you know, the, uh, to what we need, then we can have some people call in. Um, but if not, we can figure out something else another time. So, um, yeah. The last episode, we did not have a Once Upon a Time episode this Sunday, two days ago, which I'm actually quite grateful for because we were all, the majority of us were either, you know, traveling or, you know, we were home, but, you know, really, really tired, so. Right, um, recovering. Yeah, exactly, still recovering from the traveling and everything, which, I'm, yeah, it was just a lot. So um, last week we had Think Lovely Thoughts which, as Amy talked about earlier, you know, when we were talking about the news roundup, the ratings had such a big increase because of the big reveal. So let's just get right into that because, of course, the big reveal is that Pan is Rumpel's dad. And Yes, uh, love it. <laughs> yeah, I was really, I mean, my jaw, I tweeted out my response of just my mouth hanging open because, that is not what I was expecting to see at all. And, yes, Teresa is saying from the chat room, Teresa, who is one of our staff members, worst dad, grandfather, great-grandfather ever, 1,000% agree. Um, one of the – one of the, yeah, he's just, just awful. Um, because especially if you go back and look at some of the past episodes where him and Rumpel had their exchanges, um, he was really just doing everything that he could to hurt Rumpel. 
So right, I mean, right, like the breakfast scene where he was talking about serving him his favorite breakfast, and then constantly throwing the doll in his face, and he was. I'm really, really glad. I think everybody that listens knows that you and I both try to avoid spoilers, and I'm so glad that I did. Especially this episode is the reason why. I try and avoid spoilers because I love, even though if there's hints leading up to something, I love not knowing for sure. And then seeing it all unfold on TV instead of seeing spoilers, I was like, oh, my God. And this was just, we always love Robbie Kay, who plays Peter Pan, but this week was just beyond for him. I mean, this was so unreal, and everybody's mentioned that, yeah, Malcolm, you know, Peter Pan needs to get the uh, non-father of the year award, but I did not know that this was what the plot twist was going to be. I love that now you can re-watch the episodes leading up to it, and now that you know, you can see these little tiny hints dropped in and these little nods, you know, in things that Pan says, like he calls Rumple Laddie, which is you know, a name mm. that someone would call someone younger than them or a child, you know. And, you know, the mannerisms of Stephen Lord, who played Malcolm. And oh, my the God, way, perfect. Oh, when, so the first good. time I heard him laugh, when I first heard him laugh, I was like, oh, my God, he has Rumple laugh. Rumpel? Like, that is yeah. where. yeah. That's what I thought, too. That's where Rumpel got it from. I can, and then the way that there were sometimes when he would move, like, he never quite did the Rumpel flourish with his one hand. But there were a couple of times that he was where he did make a movement with his hands or his arms or his fingers, and it it was so reminiscent of Robert Carlyle's yeah. body language on the show with what he does with Rumple. Such small little, such subtleties, really. That you know, I mean, and it's a compliment to you know not only Stephen Ward but also to Robert Carlyle for the fact that he's defined the character in such a distinct way that those those little subtleties are are present as, you know, character bits. I mean, I just was loving that whole, I mean, everything. And because when the shadow showed up, and, 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 too, okay, and, and. I just have to say really quick, I loved, 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 in all capitals with a million D exclamation points, I loved Marilyn Manson as the voice of the shadow. I thought he was the perfect choice when I finally heard it. I was excited about it beforehand. But when we finally got to hear his voice, and hear what it's kind of like. He was so creepy, so perfect. Could not have done any better. Totally thrilled yeah. with Marilyn Manson's shadow. He was so creepy, and I'm glad that, because in, in my mind, that's how I really wanted him to sound. I didn't want, I was hoping that his lines and things, that none of it would be screamed or yelled. I was hoping that all of it would be almost that creepy whisper that he does so well. And it was. I love it. It's just, it was so good. So that shadow is so creepy, and I don't think we've seen the last of that. So I'm, I can't wait until the next week's episode. Oh, my God, it's going to be so good. Yeah, I'm really, really excited to see where it's going to go because, of course, the other part of this episode that, you know, was kind of, that has to do with Rumple is Rumple in the Box. Rumple yeah. in the Box. Um, oh my good gravy. I don't even know what to say about Rumple in the Box because I was not expecting to see that either. Um, I didn't know what to expect, I mean, really, with that whole situation. But to have Pan do the trick, the, you know, the, oh God, what do you call it? 
what's he, what's that trick called? The flight of the lady or something? Follow the lady? Follow the lady, isn't it? Follow the lady, right. Yeah. And in yeah, Neverland, him you can that... switch whatever you want. So, yeah. Yeah, so for him to switch it, I mean, really, it just, and, you know, you might hear a little bit of language come out of me now in this part of it, folks. I promise will be PG, but Pan is such a bastard. He just mm. is. He is such a bastard that he would switch it on his kid <laughs> and, you know, like put him in the box after all of the Neverland crap. I mean, he's just, he's, oh my God, he is just such a bastard. There's no other way to put it. It's really a kudos to Roddy Kay and his acting and to the storyline for what they're doing with him. But he's just such a little, I can't say it because we're trying to keep it PG, but he's not very nice things, folks, okay, in my opinion. You're hearing it from me, what I think. You know, I'm, <laughs> let me get on my soapbox here for a minute. He is just a bad, he's a bastard. That's what he is. He's just a rat bastard. And he needs to, he, I want him to be defeated. I do. He needs to be defeated. He needs to get his butt kicked by somebody. Like Regina, like remember when Regina threw Charming against the wall and enchanted the wallpaper in, uh, in Broken to go all over Charming? Yes, that needs yes. to happen to Pan like a million times. He's just, he's just, <laughs> he is, Corey, don't kill he me, please. Uh, <laughs> he is seriously, he's smug, just such a jerk. He is. He is a smug little bastard. I swear. Somebody needs to like. I I know he's hundreds of years old, but somebody needs to throw him over the knee and spank him because that kid needs a timeout. I mean, that oh, he's such a smug teenager. You know that whole attitude about him, and yet you know he's hundreds of years old, but he's just. Uh, I don't even know what that child is. But he is just such an ass. Oh my god! But Robbie he is. Kay he is such an ass. So yes, good. he is just a little. Oh my god, he is such a little ass. He is. And I love what Chris <laughs> is saying in the chat room that he that Peter Pan is the Joffrey. The of Joffrey of Once Upon a <laughs> Joffrey from Game of Thrones. He totally is because he's such a. He's just. Oh my god! I can't. He and is, what's so yeah. funny is I that Peter Joffrey. Pan is one Everybody of my favorite movies, and I can't stand Peter Pan on this show. Oh, my God. Like, I can't stand him. <laughs> normally, I'm always like, well, normally I would say, well, let's redeem him because he's Peter Pan. And I'm like, no, that little bastard needs to die. Like, somebody just needs to put him <laughs> in his place. They need to trap his little ass in the box. Like, somebody needs to do something because his behavior is unacceptable. It's like, it just, it's unacceptable. And really what I wanted to say <laughs> What I really want, you know, like, what I want Rumpel to do, like, somebody needs to step in and be like, look, kid, don't you look at me in that tone of voice. Go to your room and don't come out until you're told. Like, somebody just exactly. needs to tone this kid so hard. Like, Regina needs to do something. I want somebody, to be Regina, Emma, somebody. Yes. <laughs> Regina needs somebody to, needs to do something, man. Like, it's just, it's got to happen because he's, I mean, listen to me. He's got me so riled up and we're talking about a character on television. Like, Peter Pan needs to be punished. That is all there is to it, folks. He just needs to punish. <laughs> oh, oh, but I do want to say one thing, too. And I talked about it at the panel, and total credit to Chris Fitzner, our staff writer who, you know, told me this information. The thing with Pandora's box, okay, in the original legend, you know, like there were no woes in the world, and man lived in peace, and there was no disease, there was no, you know, problems or anything like that. And then Pandora opened the box, and she brought all those things upon the world. But the one thing that was left in the box was hope. And hope, now Rumpel yeah. is in the box. So if Rumpel is like the hope for everyone, 
that is such a cool twist and a cool implication for his character since he's, you know, so all over the map and we know that he is really a good guy at just making bad decisions and all that stuff. But I just love the potential, the implications of all that. I think it's fabulous. Yes. I agree because if he, I mean, if that's kind of the way that they wanted that to mirror and parallel is that now he is the hope because he's the one thing left in the box. And just saying that, like, makes me crack up because every time I say it, I think of a jack-in-the-box. I mean, keep thinking Me too. Box, I keep but... thinking that too, but I keep thinking, like, like a little, like, almost like one of Laura's dolls popping up here, like, rumple in the box, like, boing, boing, boing. Like... <laughs> yes, yeah. And it plays, like, all around the mulberry bush when you twist the handle. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Did you, you see know, this? Like... Robert Carlyle tweeted at the end of the episode, he used hashtag, it's dark in here. I was rolling yeah. on the floor laughing. It was so funny. Yeah, and I remember but, somebody else, and I don't remember where it came from, but somebody else was talking about a tweet where it said, oh, I bet his Candy Crush app doesn't work as well in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just some of the funniest stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. see, Angie saying boxes. Another thing is another in-joke for one thirst. I am the man in the box. Yeah, indeed. Like the man in the box. So I'm interested to see how he's going to get out. I really can't wait. This next episode is called Save Henry, and it's all about um, when Regina adopted Henry and Storybrooke. And I know that um, David Anders is going to be in that episode, as is Raphael Sparge. Sparge. Mm-hmm. We've got to figure out how to say his name. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's going to be – and I have been waiting for this episode – you know, to see how this happens since um, the thing you love most all the way in season one when, mm-hmm. you know, Sydney and Regina are talking and he want, he's like, how, does, how did Regina, or excuse me, how did Henry get to Maine? That is a very good question, and I, am, I can't wait to find out the answer because the main thing that I'm curious about is who brought Henry to Storybrooke if they can't find it. And right, so many people I'll thought that it was August, and I'm really curious yeah. to see. Yeah. Because Rumpel just said that he procured the boy for for Regina. That's what he said in The Thing You Love Most. And when at the very end of that episode where they're standing under Regina's apple tree outside, and that's when he yeah. tells her to step aside and he says, please, and it's like the first hint she gets that maybe he does know what's happening and that it, you have a shocked look on her face. But ever since then, this whole thing's been building up. And so next week now... We're finally going to get to see it, which I'm always excited when there's a Regina-centric episode anyway because Regina is my favorite. Um, but I I can't wait to see this, this episode and how I mean, we know why she wanted a child kind of after the whole, you know, Greg Owen backstory. But I can't wait to see it play out. Yeah, me too. And, you know, the thing I want – the thing that I like about the thing you love most, haha, that was a hard sentence to say – is um, <laughs> when that part that you're talking about when Rumpel says please and then he walks away and yes. she's so shocked. I just loved the visual metaphor that he took the bite out of the apple because he took a bite right out of her. Like with, yeah, yeah, with saying that, that, that was exactly, yeah, that was exactly what it was. The apple is totally her symbol for everything. He just took a bite right out of it. And I loved, I mean, I love that part about the thing you love most. There's so much, I mean, I just love the show, period. But the, that's the one of my favorite of episodes. That. That, that's one of my favorite episodes. My favorite line of the entire three seasons so far is in that episode because I love, and I, I used to say it all the time. People were like, okay, one day someone's going to think you're nuts and call somebody on you. But I, like, my favorite line is 
you know, when he says to her, you know what you love, now go kill it. <laughs> That's my favorite line from all three seasons. Well, yeah, because he says it just so, I mean, he's just so... So empty. It's so, yeah, so creepy about it. And I know that... Um, I know that there are some sneak peeks going around right now, and unfortunately, thanks to Twitter, I do know what one of them is about. And I'm not going to say anything to anything about it, Amy, because I don't want to ruin it for you, but there is more to come with that kind of scene between those two. And I'm very – I can't wait for this week's episode. That, cause that kind of scene is all I'll say. Um, it's, it just looks to be – I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be awesome, and I, I can't wait. Um, because yeah, there's so there's so much. Oh, I may. Oh, I can't even mention it because I don't want to give a spoiler thing for you. But I totally just connected the thing in this episode to the. Oh man, damn it! I oh wish I could God. say something. Okay, that's all right. But um, you're so funny. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying. Like, I just totally made a connection. So next week on next week's show, I'm going to make sure that I say what like what the, the connection that I just made between the sneak peek and kind of what we're talking about here because it's totally relevant. So, all right, um, let's see. The next major thing that we must discuss, must discuss, is Henry giving his heart to Pan. Um, I know that there's a lot of people who aren't necessarily happy about that because, you know, they think that Henry should have, you know, he's been the truest believer the whole time and now he's believing a lie and stuff like that. But um, kind of like what I was saying at the fan panel at Chanacon, like, Henry, his whole thing has always been he's wanted to be a hero. He's wanted to, you know, he always wanted to go to the Enchanted Forest and learn how to ride horses and sword fight and do all of those things. And then he uh-huh. tells Emma in season one in An Alpharetta's Blood that, you know, um, like the hero always tested right before, right yeah. before, you know, they're triumphant. So when Pan said that to him, you know, I mean – he was basically playing on Henry's belief that this is what, this is what all heroes go through. So of course mm-hmm. he has to do what he, what he, what he can, because this is the ultimate test. And then of course it went, you know, completely the wrong way. And, um, Lori's cousin, Anthony, he did make a really good point about, you know, Henry and believing in his parents because, you know, Regina lied to him for his whole life about things. You know, and then in Manhattan, when he found out that Emma had lied to him about Neil, he said that she was just like Regina, and he doesn't right. know Neil really at all. So, you know, even though his parents, all three of them were there fighting and trying to get him to do the right thing, he actually had some pretty good reasons why he didn't do that. And it actually, you know, I mean, at first I was really shocked, and even I said to myself, God, why did Henry do that? And then after thinking about it, you know, it makes total sense for why he did it, even though the results suck. And it does, you know, on the surface, it does make Henry look a little, you know, kind of a little dumb, but you know, it, it goes in line with everything that he believes. And that's really the thing of it. Like he, he believes so much that, you know, he believed in Pan. So I don't know. It was just, it was really interesting and, and sad. And yeah, Amy, what'd you think? I don't want to talk the whole time. Well, I never, I never thought that it was stupid of him, but when I watched the episode and it happened, my first thought was, I mean, I was absolutely furious. I was like, what are you doing, kid? Your family's right there. They're supposed to be, you know, have the heart of the truest believer. They're right there. They're telling you to believe. And then you go and yank out your heart and give it to Pan. And I was like, oh, I was yelling at the TV. I'm like, somebody, you know, smack him. 
punch him. Do something. Somebody get that heart back, quick. So yeah, I quickly. Was, I, I was like, I, unbelievable. I just couldn't believe it. And then I will say this, because you mentioned Lori's cousin, Anthony, making that point at the panel. And I will say it is very rare that anyone can ever make me change my mind about anything because I'm very stubborn. <laughs> but I, when Anthony mentioned that, I, I really kind of had a turnaround about that scene because where I had been on the side of, oh, my God, I can't believe this kid did this, somebody, you know, something or something, when Anthony mentioned that, I was like, you know, he he's right. And then, you know, you had mentioned your points too. And it is true. This whole time he's wanted to be really a fairy tale hero. He's wanted to be a little Prince Charming, you know. He's wanted to save the day. And now for the past little while he's been listening to Pan. He's seen what he thinks is a sick Wendy. He's got these parents who have lied to him in the past, Regina, for years and years. And he just, you know, he he thinks this is it. This is my moment. I'm gonna have to. This is my time to be tested and sacrificed. But I'm going to go ahead and do it. So I was like, oh, okay. So definitely, you know, kudos for Anthony because that's one of the first times anybody has ever, you know, had me had an explanation that actually made me kind of look at things from another way and change my opinion on it. So. I agree that, you know, he he did it because, you know, he's a kid and he wanted to be the hero. Yeah. I mean, I kind of felt, you know, Anthony, he really, as soon as he said that, you know, that's when I was like, oh, okay, you know what? Like, that's really, he just made a really good point. So, yeah, I'm really glad that Anthony, you know, spoke up about that because it is an important point. And it's really, I mean, you know, not everybody's going to feel the same way either, and that's obviously okay because, I mean, ultimately it's still kind of a weird thing for Henry to do. But I right. do think that it goes along with his character, and you know, yeah. I mean, I think it fits. So as much as we don't like it, you know, it's just going to be better drama. I mean, that's all that that means. Like, there's still, gonna, you know, there's more to come with that. And who doesn't, you know, I mean, on the show, that's what it's all about right now. We need, like, we need that. Although, you know, the other interesting thing too that I just want to say is that um, I think it was TV Line. They put out an official family tree for Henry. And Adam and Eddie commented on it in the article and said that by the end of season three, two more places on Henry's family tree will have been filled. And, you know, I find that really interesting because, number one, there are a couple of characters in Henry's family tree that are already waiting to be discovered because we don't know who Rumpel's mother is and we do not know who Charming's father is. We haven't ever met any one of those two characters yet, so... You know, we could still find out, I mean, through, you know, flashbacks of who those people are. Um, you know, it's because all we really know about Charming's dad is that he died. I mean, he, he right. gave up James to George, and then they were farmers, and then he died. And that's all we really know about Charming's dad. And we didn't know anything about either one of Rumpel's parents until this last week, and we see what kind of a person that, you know, his dad was. Well, the fact that his mom isn't around, you know, did she die? Did she... Did she abandon him too? Is that why he has such issues with that? Like, I mean, there's a lot of questions that we could find out. You know, there's a lot of answers that we need for that kind of stuff. But it could also be something where, you know, um, it could be something different. Oh, that's something that we didn't mention in the news roundup. Well, we can mention it right now. 
because since Jennifer Goodwin is now officially pregnant, um, she confirmed that. So congratulations to Josh and Jenny on their official pregnancy again. Um, Now that that is official news, you know, Henry could be getting uh, an uncle or aunt, I guess, right? That would be the right term. Yes. Right, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so, you know, he could be getting an uncle or an aunt, you know, if, if they decide to write that pregnancy into the show. And, you know, it was kind of hinted at that there might be a baby coming. In, uh, Maybe well, she'll uh, have what was... twins. Maybe it'll be twins, and that's the two spots. Hey, it could be twins. Like, hey, there you go. Like, hmm. uh, that wouldn't that be something? Oh, my God, the charming twins? Oh, my God. It would be like Luke and Leia. Like Luke the and Leia, power. yeah, like, right? Yeah, because, you know, so we know cool. how the show is loving their Star Wars references, so... Yeah. That would be totally great. So, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot that we could find out. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot of other people, I mean, things that it could be. I mean, I don't think that Emma's going to get pregnant anytime soon, so I don't think that he's going to have a brother or sister. So Yeah, I don't think so either. No, I mean, I don't think it's that. But, you know, there's also, I mean, they have they have cast some new guest stars, and people are trying to figure out who they're going to be, um, you know, whether or not Emma's adopted brother maybe making an appearance in town or, you know, one of her old boyfriends or something. I mean, there's there's so much that could happen. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, there's, who knows, really. But Henry's family tree growing again, you know, that's that's going to, I mean, what other fairy tale characters can we fit in here for this family? Because really, I mean, it's still a show about family. I mean, even though it's all fairy tale characters, now they're all related to each other. And, oh, my God, like, it's yeah. still, they're just building the family up. So that's. I still want to see the yeah. holiday episode where they all have to sit at a table together. I would love to see that, even if it's like a five-minute scene. Would love it. Yeah, I would love it. Oh, that's a good point. Sarah Egan is in our chat room, and she said, "Or oh, Robin Hood coming into the family by marrying Regina." So, hmm. Mm. And she's also letting me know that Adam and is Adam and Ed, I said that right. I, all last week I kept saying Adam and Addie. So Adam and Eddie is official word for by the end of season three, this tree, this tree will grow by two spaces. The fill in more spaces. We're just going to it's going to grow by. Well, I mean, still though, if you, if we fill those spots in, it could still grow just the other direction. But I'm I'm right, yeah. I really well, want to know. Anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, I really want to know what's going to happen. Like, really? Like, we're getting more family members? Okay, like let's let's do it. I'm excited. <laughs> so yeah, so there's that. Um. So let's see. What else? There were there were a lot of other things that happened in this week's episode. Um, gosh, God, there was just there was so much with Rumple and Pan and and Henry. Like really, those oh, three. Oh, the spinsters. The two oh, spinsters. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So okay, let's get into that because there's a lot of speculation on who the spinsters are. There was speculation on the staff that they could be the Fates. There was also speculation that they could be you know, two out of the three good fairies from Sleeping Beauty because they have the spinning wheel and there's that connection, which I got. I hope I'm not the only one who's hoping that there is a connection between Rumpel and Maleficent because that is just too perfect for words. It's too perfect. I have said they have the spinning wheel thing in common. Season. It needs to happen. <laughs> I have said since the very first season multiple times that, I mean, since like the very beginning of the show that I hope that R- Rumpel's uh, spinning wheel and Maleficent spinning wheel were like one in the same. I hope that 
you know, somehow that had something to do with him, whether it's the exact same one, whether she got it from him or, you know, whatever happened right there. I love it because I'm still waiting to see, too. Remember uh, last season, uh, sorry, I'm totally blanking now, Rumpel has the spinning wheel and Maleficent, and they were talking about Maleficent going after Aurora's mother, but it was only ever mentioned in, like, one line. And then they never talked about it again. So I was like, hmm, yeah. I'm wondering if that's yeah, that was going in, to Yeah, that was in Broken. Yeah. Well, you know, the yeah. other thing that's yeah. interesting, too, is that, you know, when Regina went to go get the curse from Maleficent, like, she had traded Maleficent, the dark curse, for the sleeping curse on the apple. Mm-hmm. So that really makes me, like, God, you know, I'm just thinking about this now. So that means that Regina had the dark curse before, wow, isn't that something to think about? Like, Regina had the dark curse yeah. before she put the, gave Snow the apple. So, what, and, 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 like, why, how did, like, when did she get it from Rumpel? How long did she have it? Why didn't she use it? Um, why did she use it when she did? Like, there's that, there is a whole, wow, that's a whole big question now, isn't it? How exactly did that happen? Yeah. I really want to think- know. I think Snow's wedding kind of drove her, you know, she, maybe she was just taking baby steps to get to that point when the apple didn't work. It was like, well, might as well just go all in and use this other curse now. Yeah, like I wonder if maybe she felt guilt or something and cursing so many people or something. Like, I don't know, but that that's a history that I really want to see now that I'm actually thinking about this and kind of talking about it aloud because I haven't really thought about this very much before. I mean, I knew logically that that's what had happened, but to actually think about the implications of that, having seen so much more backstory through flashbacks now, you know, it makes it really makes me wonder what the history, like, and remember, Maleficent's supposed to be Regina's friend, and we haven't, oh, man. Okay, so, okay, you have my official request now to ABC, like, you know, if anybody is listening, can we hurry and get Kristen Bauer von Stratton back on Once Upon a Time as Maleficent so we can get some Regina Maleficent like history together? Please. Because <laughs> yes. I that I am I am chomping at the bit for that now. I mean they've always been two of my favorite characters anyway, but mm-hmm. and I I I want to see. I want to see it happen. I do Sarah's too. Sarah's saying I'm, that oh, she had it but didn't realize thing. it's its true potential. That's why she traded it with Maleficent, then having the apple fail, Regina wanted the curse back. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what, though? Maybe she thought that the sleeping curse would be enough because if ultimately the whole point of the curse, right, was just to get revenge on Snow, maybe she heard about right. the sleeping curse. I was like, well, you know, I don't have to curse the entire land. Mm. And then like, I think Snow's wedding, like, just pushed her. I mean, that was it. Now she's seeing what she wanted and what she thought, you know, for a brief moment she was going to have with Daniel. And then that wedding just kind of was the moment that pushed her over, and at that point she was ready, you know, to, to go ahead and just go all in and do it. And I think that's when she was like, okay, I'm just going to, I know this is the ultimate horrible curse, but, you know, she wanted to, I feel like she wanted a new, it ended up not being all that she thought it was going to be. But I feel like when she was desperate in that moment, she was so desperate she killed her own father. I mean, obviously she was, at the end of her 
you know, string right there. She didn't know what else to do. She said it, you know, in that scene when she's crying, then she tells her father, I just want to be happy, you know, and then she killed him. <laughs> so, yeah, at that point, I think she just was willing to do whatever. She had just lost herself so much because of being sad for so long. Yeah, that's really, I mean, there are so many layers to all of this. God, I hope that they show all of these things because I really want to, I want to, see all of that I mean I want to see it play out and man that's just oh man what a great I mean because I feel for Regina a lot I mean and as horrible as she is she's still one of my favorite characters so I really want her to oh man that's just oh I love this show so freaking much okay so um, (laughs) it's already 630 we should talk about Wonderland because we've only got half an hour left of the show so let's see Um, Wonderland was called Who's Alice and it has yes. some pretty major steps being taken by one uh, one royal vizier there, Jafar, who decided, you know, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched it yet, you know, he decided that he was going to go to Alice's world and have a little chit-chat with a couple folks that Alice knows. So, Amy, I'm going to let you lead the Wonderland discussion, darling, since it is Wonderland is your bread and butter. Yes. This week's episode, I know we keep talking about how it keeps getting better and better. This week... Alice for me like I feel I feel like I liked Alice before but I had all after seeing the first few episodes I kind of liked the Red Queen most because we had finally kind of gotten her backstory but now we have this piece of Alice's backstory and it was like just really sad and devastating and Sophie was so good in this episode I cannot she was amazing. I even tweeted her. We were talking about it. She did so good. And I've had so many people tell me that they watched this episode and cried during her scenes because, I mean, people have felt what she, what Alice was feeling in this. She comes back to her land, and it's right after what she thinks the Red Queen has killed Cyrus. And, right. you know, this little, little girl runs up to her, and she's like, oh, let's, you know, let's take you to my dad and my mom and we'll, you know, we'll find your house and we'll find your home. And it turns out this little girl is her half-sister. And, you know, Alice wants what everybody wants. She wants to be happy and she wants a home and she's just had this huge loss. And her father is a complete jackal. I mean, he is a Okay, I dislike Alice's father right now the way you dislike Pan. Because after seeing this episode last week, I was like, I wish someone would make a wish and tie his mustache to Alice's stepmother's hair so that they're permanently linked. Because they're both awful. Her stepmother is like a witch. And throughout the whole episode, you know, her father's telling her, well, you can't stay in our house unless you can try and be happy. And he won't believe her, and she that's all she wants. And he's like, you know, at what point, what am I supposed to believe? Am I supposed to believe in genies? Am I supposed to believe in this? And she's like, you don't even have to believe in those things. Just believe in me. And she's crying, and, you know, she even asks him, are you, are you really happy that I'm home? And you can tell he doesn't know what to say. It was just yeah. devastating for her. And then, of course, at the end of the episode, you know, they, her father and the stepmom are trying to match her up with a new guy, and it's only been, 
you know, a little while that she's been back in this house and the stepmom's constantly sniping in her father's ear about Alice not belonging. And I, I think there's something more with stepmother after seeing this episode. I think that she is going to have more going on with her story. Story. Alice's father gives her a choice. Well, you can stay here and pretend to be happy and fit in, or you can go to the madhouse. That's exactly what he tells her. And she ends up choosing to leave because she just can't, you know, she wants to be there. And her father is literally the only family she has left other than this new half-sister that she just met. And she chooses to just go ahead and go to the asylum because she doesn't know what else to do. She knows she can't keep pretending to be happy. And then in in Wonderland, the present day, she gets stuck in this part of the dark forest where the fumes are coming out of these flowers and the carpenter's there and he's super creepy. And she it makes her, whatever's there affects your heart and it makes her feel like she's happy finally and she's finally where she's supposed to be and it makes her forget all of these things about Cyrus and all that. And it's really sad because that's all she keeps saying there. Even when Will finds her, she's like, well, where is, um, I'm happy here. I, I don't want to leave. She just wants to be happy. So, yeah, it was just really, really sad for Alice in this week's episode. Yeah, it was um it was uh, not a well not a good week for fathers in the once upon a time universe <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um because I mean really the only thing that I could think you know, when I was seeing Alice's dad interact with her was this guy it's kind of like Pan. This guy is he's just a he's a bastard. He's I mean I and I know that like maybe there's something else going on and and whatever, but the fact that he could be so callous and just, uh, just to- like repulsive, really. I mean, he, I mean, even though I know that, I mean, it was a little bit more. He wasn't outright doing anything. He was really torn. But I was just thinking to myself, dude, like, sir, Mister Alice's father, could like, could you sit down for just a second, please, and consider your actions really quick, like. Are you really want to do this? And I totally agree with you as far as that stepmother goes. There is something else with her. Um, she, see, I mean, she gave me such a creepy, creepy vibe. I mean, almost like yeah. something out of a Tim Burton movie, to be honest. I mean, she just struck like me as... Like the Wicked Witch from Wizard of Oz? Something, like something just yeah. creepy, like almost like Mrs. Mrs. Lovett from Sweeney Todd or something. Like just this really creepy character who's like you know secretly she's like you know keeping all these people hostage in her basement or something like there's just something uber creepy about that woman and i didn't like her at all like she just had i mean not i mean you're not supposed to but i just you know it just seemed like there was something else you know that there's there's something extra with her and the fact that you know i mean especially with you know Yep. Yeah. Just I thought that there was something else. I didn't like her at all. I was I was you know really heartbroken for Alice. I was watching part of that because when she gets when she first gets back and she's saying you know that the Red Queen killed Cyrus and you know Sophie's just crying you know doing such a great job with the scene and you know 
she's, I mean, yeah, just the whole thing. I just, I felt so bad for her because she just went through this whole trauma, really, and she's been in Wonderland, and it's, you know, she's been kicking butt and sword fighting and genies and magic, and then she goes home, the place where it's supposed to be safe, and she's supposed to be okay, and there's nothing. Like, her dad just wasn't there for her. And 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 what you said, too, you know, with her lines about, you know, you don't have to believe in all that, you just need to believe in me, that fits right in with, you know, the theme of once upon a time this season with belief and, you know, believing in each other, believing in, in your family and everything. So it was really, I loved that parallel to once upon a time and how they keep building small little connections to the other show, to the other universe. Um, yeah. I mean, I love how that was going and, and I'm really, you know, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with Wonderland still. Um, I still want to, I mean, I'm going to see it through to the end, no matter what the end is going to be, because, you know, I mean, unfortunately, as we've, you know, you and I have talked about it before, the ratings for Wonderland haven't been as good as they could have been, um, you know, and, and it's actually to the point where we probably, well, at this point, it's not looking good for a second, you know, tale with Alice in Wonderland and everything. So, you know, I am sad about that. So I am going to watch it to the end and hopefully, Something might change. Maybe it'll get a bigger following in, you know, syndication or not syndication, but maybe there's just some other way that, you know, people will watch it and it will gain a cult following. Because there's a lot of other shows that have been canceled after a season or two, you know, like Serenity and Firefly and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, where they get so popular later on that they still develop a cult following. You know, I really think that this show has a shot at doing that. I just think that, you know, I mean, I'll – I'll say to the end that they they should have just put Wonderland on in between the break of the two halves of, of season three of, of Once Upon a Time. I really wish that they had made that decision and said, it's not my choice. I don't make that, you know, I'm not in those meetings. I don't wear the big suit or anything like that to make that call. But um, my personal choice as a fan, just because I would have liked to have seen what kind of legs it would have had. But say la vie. Um, I'm also just going to say, too, that the Red Queen – and the name of hearts continue to be two of my favorite characters on the show. Although this and this week's episode really did change Alice for me and made me feel differently about her. I mean, I was equally as, you know, heartbroken as I'm sitting there, you know, see, you know, watching what's going to occur. And yeah, it was just, it was right. really sad. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm really, and you know, too, the thing that, that gives me kind of hope about that show is that about Wonderland specifically is, you know, it's it's clearly going to go somewhere. I mean, we've known from the very beginning that this had an ending that you know they were that they were going for, and I can't wait to see what it's going to be because I just get the feeling that you know Alice's character, you know, is is going to finally find you know a home and a place to be, and I think that you know it's obviously going to be related to Wonderland. Like maybe she'll take the Red Queen's place or something. I don't know. Like, but then again, I think the same thing about Once Upon a Time. I want Emma to end up queen of the Enchanted Forest. So, you know, maybe I just have a thing. <laughs> Shocker to everybody, I know. Maybe I just have a thing with queens. Who knows? So, you know, go <laughs> imagine that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's <laughs> just good times, and and I like that show. But yeah, Alice and and Cyrus, I I want their. I want them to finally get together because, you know, when every time Cho and, Cho and Snarming, yeah, that's me, folks, Cho and Snarming. Anyways, every time Snow and Charming 
got, you know, were separated on Once Upon a Time, they would still find their way back to each other. And it's right. been it's been too long since Alice and Cyrus have had a scene together. And they, they need to have, I mean, even if it's in flashback, I need to see those two characters together because, mm-hmm. number one, I like them together. But, I mean, it's kind of essential for the story. I mean, I, I, it's about them and them finding each other again. So I, I just need to see more of that. And, but I, I really, I love Wonderland so much. It makes me so, ah, I'm so irked by the fact that there aren't as many people watching that one as they're watching once. Well, I feel the same way. And I feel like the, we mentioned it in the first hour of the podcast about how big this Once Upon a Family is and how everybody supports each other. And I feel like a huge portion of our fan base is not, supporting Wonderland and that does make me sad because this is written and created as a side story to Once Upon a Time and if we want to really show support to Adam and Eddie and Jane and all of them that work so hard to create this and create this world then the fan base needs to get behind Wonderland like they have with Once Upon a Time we've mentioned before, Wonderland is only meant to be one season long. It's like a miniseries. It's going to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then the idea was they would do, you know, next year maybe another world or a different side series. So if the fan community wants more Once Upon a Time and more things, they're going to have to pull together and really, I mean, I I don't even know how to word it because we really for all that Adam and Eddie have given us as a community and given us as a show with Once Upon a Time and created this family we as a fan community should be supporting them in the other Once Upon a Time things. We should be all watching Wonderland and getting involved and telling them and you know getting into the story a lot of people have said, and I feel the same way, every single episode of that show just gets better and better. And it's amazing. And the actors, they live tweet during the episodes, and some of the writers live tweet, and it's really just a great piece to, that goes with the Wonderland and with the Once Upon a Time series. And they've done Once Upon a Time crossovers, and they keep talking about how there's going to be more. We've already seen Storybrooke in in the Wonderland series, and it's going to kind of keep crossing over back and forth to the characters. And the next week's episode was written by Jane Estenson, who is a big fan favorite. And next week we actually get Jafar's backstory um, from when he was a little boy and some more of what happened with him because we learned before that he was, his father is the sultan, is what we learned in a previous episode, the serpent. So now next week, Jane has written this episode called Bad Blood, and that is going to be all about Jafar and his history and what hardened him and made him into a villain when he was a child, what it was that changed his heart. So I know I see someone in the, uh, in our page on the chat saying that just because it's the same writers doesn't mean they need to watch the show. Uh, I don't know how familiar they are with this fan community, but 
most of the fans do support the writers, the actors, the crew and cast in a lot of their endeavors. So I'm not saying, you know, forcing anybody to watch the show, but a lot of us do feel that way. Like we would support our family and these people that have been so great to us all along. So, yeah, we definitely want to get people to get into Wonderland and get caught up on it. You can catch up on abc.com, and it's got all the episodes where you can catch up to this week, and then next week's got the Jane Essenson episode, which is supposed to be phenomenal from what I've heard about it with Jafar's backstory. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, if you don't like Wonderland, then you don't like Wonderland. If It's not necessarily everybody's cup of tea. Ha-ha, pun intended, Alice in Wonderland. But, um, okay. you know, I do think that just because of the, the it, that it's a companion piece to Once Upon a Time, I mean, it's still a fun show to watch. And, you know, as far as the connections that you talked about, too, one thing that I want to kind of reiterate from um, not only Who's Alice, but from Heart of Stone last week, you know, when we saw more of the backstory of um, the Red Queen, you know, her being Anastasia and her stepmother, you know, the biggest theory is that Anastasia, you know, that the Red Queen is one of Cinderella's stepsisters. And um, because, you know, her mother looked very similar in style to, you know, the animated version of Cinderella's stepmother. And, you know, it would also really explain why Cinderella is in the pilot episode of Wonderland. Because she's, you know, I mean, there's that connection right there. So, you know, if you don't like Wonderland, you don't necessarily want to watch it. You know, like I said, it's not necessarily everybody's cup of tea, but at the same time, it's, I mean, it's still the same universe. And it's almost like I would ask the question, well, why wouldn't you want to watch it? And if you don't want to, what are the reasons why? Like maybe, and not just saying, you know, things like, oh, well, I don't like this character, you know, they're stupid. But to actually, you know, give some, you know, some good basis on why Wonderland isn't working for you, that might bode well for any other future series that we might get. But it's still worth giving it a shot. I mean, especially if you watch it all in a stream all together, I think that the story makes a lot more sense. And you know what else I will say? I did not like the Red Queen's character at first, and I know a lot of people didn't, because in the first episode or two, maybe even the first three, coming off as, one-dimensional, and, you know, she's, you know, you could kind of tell maybe there was something, and, you know, with Once Upon a Time, it's very layered all the time, especially with the people we think are villains. The way that it's written, it usually turns into something more. So, with the Red Queen, I was like, oh, she's, I'm not, I'm just not, you know, really in love with her, love her clothes, but I'm not in love with her. And then after, we really started getting into, like, episodes three and four, when we started to see her backstory and that she's, you know, she is this character that really did have this huge heart and was in love and she has this amazing tale of hardship. And now this week we learned that, you know, whatever it was that happened between her and Will, he doesn't have his heart anymore. That he mentioned to Alice, that which you and I talked about this before, and we mentioned on the podcast, you know, that we, what I said, I bet you one of them does not have their heart anymore, and I don't know which one, but I bet you that's going to be the case. And Will said to Alice this week, you know, a long time ago, you helped me get my heart back, and then she realized when she's talking to him that even though she got his heart back for him, because he said, literally, you got my heart, 
which also leads me to think they're going to start at, at some point they're going to bring Cora in. Writers have even talked about wanting to get the Queen of Hearts and Cora, you know, to make an appearance in this series. So obviously at some point he gave up his heart. Alice helped him get it back, and then he never put it back in because he couldn't deal with the pain of being like having to live with all of this, the the hurt of Anastasia, the Red Queen, having broken his heart. Yeah, I um, I what I would love, I would love, love, love if they did get Barbara Hershey on Escora, and it was a secret. Like, and nobody knew that she was even going to be there until she just shows up. Like, I don't want to know. Like, I don't want to see her in the preview for the next episode. I don't want to see her name in a press release. I don't want right. to see anything like that. I just want to, you know, have her all of a sudden show up on the show. And that because, I mean, really, I mean, it's just my opinion, but, and I'm, I'm so hopeful that they do that because I, I cannot see Alice in Wonderland happening without, the Queen of Hearts being on there at least once. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's like it, she, mm-hmm. it needs to happen. Or, and I know that he is so busy and that it would be really, really difficult, but if they could get Sebastian Stan on as the Mad Hatter, or if they could even just throw, you know, toss something in there, like even just a body double who, like, has the hat on and she sees him and she tries to catch him and he's running away through the woods or something, anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I want to see the Mad Hatter and the and the Queen of Hearts show up in Wonderland like as themselves. I mean, I'm I'm craving it just because number one, they're I mean, I love the Disney version and I would just I love every time those characters come on the screen. I love them anyway, but those two actors do such a good job with their characters. Uh-huh. I mean, I know that everybody hated Cora by the time she died on Once Upon a Time, with good reason, because she's totally horrible. But, you know, she's also the Queen of Hearts and I want to see, I I want to see it. I just I want to see them come back onto the show. I think they're great. Um, yes, yeah. And Adam and Eddie have already said that they, you know, when this first started, they've said that it was their intention and they wanted to have Barbara Hershey back in. And they that's all they said about it. They weren't going to give anything away on you know, this whole storyline, but it was always my understanding that, you know, she's going to show up. I don't know if it'll be at the very end, in the middle, how it's going to work out, but the Queen of Hearts obviously belongs in Wonderland, and she, well, I'm assuming we're going to see an appearance by Barbara Hershey as the Queen of Hearts and Cora um, at some point in the Wonderland series, and I'm excited to see the, you know, any of these crossovers they're talking about because they keep saying that, you know, more crossovers are going to happen also between Once Upon a Time and Wonderland. And I've loved the little ones they've done so far. So, yeah, I definitely can't wait to get more episodes done with this series and keep watching it play out because it does just get better and better. It really does. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I really like the direction that the show is going. And, you know, I also... You know, I'm hopeful that, you know, if we were to ever have another spinoff, that it would still get the chance because one thing that I do want to see and me, you know, and if they incorporate it on the Once Upon a Time, then that's fine. But I am so ex- I am so excited for the possibility of Once Upon a Time in Oz. It's yes. fun- I mean, I have loved The Wizard of Oz since I was a kid. It's one of my favorite movies. I love the, the 1985 Disney movie Return to Oz with Fruit right. of the Ball. But- 
Um, We're not going I mean, to get I, a Once Upon a Time in Oz unless Wonderland succeeds. If Wonderland exactly. does not succeed, we're not going to get a Once Upon a Time in Oz. And I have felt strongly since, like, the second episode that there somehow Wonderland is tied to Oz because, I mean, I almost feel like this was going to be the lead-in and then Oz was going to be the next one. Because I don't know if you noticed, and I can't remember if I mentioned it before. I know I mentioned it on Twitter have you noticed that every time Alice walks on the road, that the road in Wonderland is also made is of yellow, yellow? bricks? Yeah, yes, they're big. I have noticed they're big that. yellow yep. bricks, but they're yellow. And there's other little things that have reminded me, you know, of things that just very subtle things in Oz. But yeah, as soon as I was watching one episode, and I was like, wait a second, those are giant yellow bricks. But every road has been giant yellow bricks. And the way she came yeah. to the dark forest, and it was the end of the Queen's Road, it's like the the way she comes to, the that Dorothy comes to that dark forest in the original movie when she starts, you know, she's on this lovely road and it starts getting worse and worse and they get to this scary. In Wonderland this week, there was that, you know, creepy, creepy carpenter. And uh, that was just one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. And then the trees that had faces on them because these people who get stuck here believing that they're finally happy, they turn into these trees and they're trapped forever. And, you know, it's obviously the end. Creepy. Will was able, yeah, it was so creepy. And then Will's able to get her out because he's not affected because the way this place works is that, you know, it works on your heart to make you feel like you've found a home and you're happy and this is what you've always wanted. Yeah. So, he yeah, didn't have one. Dark so. forest, yeah, he has no heart. So, and with the dust and, I don't know, just so many little things reminded me, have reminded me of Oz that I, I really felt like this was at some point going to tie into Oz and that the next miniseries we get is going to be Once Upon a Time in Oz. At least I'm certainly hoping it is. But, again, if, if Once Upon a Time in Wonderland does not succeed and the fans don't get behind it, we are not going to get any more Once Upon a Time extras at all. So I yeah, definitely you know, hope people get behind it. It's, and it's so funny, too. I do I agree with you. We all need to get behind it if we want there to be more. But I will say this. Um, as far as, you know, the, the Queen's Road and everything like that, there is an Internet okay. meme of, you know, a shot of, you know, Judy Garland in the original Wizard of Oz when she's standing there in Munchkinland. And it says, you know, the top part of it says, you know, Follow the yellow brick road to go to the wizard. The red road go, because there's that there's that yes. little twist of red in there too. And I'm like, well, yes. the queen's road, mm. the the red queen, the road is red. It goes to Wonderland. <laughs> like that's where Maybe. it goes. Like, you know what I mean? Like I just thought that was such a cool little. That yes, could be such I have a seen little, that picture. Now that you mentioned yeah, it, yeah, you know, so it. That, wouldn't that. that be? <laughs> I just think that that would be so cool if that's. You know Disney's answer to that question, so I think that'd be yeah. neat. Uh, we are down to our last minute and a half of this episode. My gosh, it actually went by really, really quick. Glad that we did two hours this time because of with EnchantCon and everything, we just had so much to talk about. Um, so in closing, um, I just want to say again, it was so nice meeting all of our new Once Upon a Family members at EnchantCon. Um, you know, both old and new, the folks that we have, you know, been talking to online forever, you know, the new friends that we met. Um, I really want to, and I should have done this earlier, and my apologies to everybody, guys. 
I want to give a shout out to all of my, you know, my fellow staffers from Once Upon a Fan who did the fan panel with us. Um, Laura Foster, who was our Facebook admin, was on the panel. Samantha Lee, who was our Mistress of Time, um, with the timeline review, she stepped in for Garrett when he was um, after he had to leave early. Stepped in for him and read his portion. Thank you for doing that, Sam. Um, Amy, obviously you were on the panel too, so thank you for being there. And want to give a huge, could never give enough love and shout-outs to Lori Fitzgerald, who was our moderator, because number one, she is fabulous and one of the kindest people that I've ever met. But two, she did such a great job of keeping everything organized, keeping everything the way that it needed to be. Lori, we love you. So we've got 10 seconds left. Love to all of you. Thank you all for listening to the show. Thank you for coming to our panel. Good night. We'll see you next week. Good night. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.